If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Blog Talk Radio. We welcome you to another edition of Late Night Hoops, everybody. The month of February has tipped off. That can only mean one thing. March Madness is a month away. John Fanta here with you at 11.05. We'll talk to a good friend of the show. The New York Post, Zach Braziller, will call in. But first, we start with this. Three teams on my mind. And we start by going out west. To the deep Pac-12. Joe Lenardi's bracketology had eight teams, eight, count them, projected in the NCAA tournament field with the UCLA Bruins potentially playing in a playing game with Syracuse. That's what he has in his latest bracketology. It's the Bruins who are right on the bubble. Bryce Alford is one of the best guards in the country. He's an all-Pac-12 first-team player, and he's Definitely, I think he needs to be considered for Pac-12 player of the year. Don't think he gets it. I like Gary Payton, the second of Oregon State, but let's go back to UCLA. Alford is averaging 17 points per game and 37 minutes per game. But what UCLA needs is something more than just him. He does so much for them, and the Bruins are a quality team when he's rolling they just have not had enough outside of him. And this is a team that's coming off a win over Washington State. But before that, losing at home to Washington, they lost to an outstanding Oregon team. I just can't seem to figure the Bruins out. What is going to be key for them going forward? Well, they need those complimentary players to offer to step up. The lengthy Tony Parker has been pretty good this year, but I think he needs to figure out a way to be even better. I mean, against Washington State, he gets into foul trouble. Against Washington, he gets into foul trouble. He's got the potential to be great, but the senior has had still some inconsistencies. Yeah, he averages 13-9 and a game. These last two contests, he's gotten into big-time foul trouble. Against Oregon, he struggled. He needs some more out of the kid. They really do. Isaac Hamilton is very good, the wing. And there's no question that this UCLA team has talent, but it's a team at the same time. They know how to put 80 points on the board per game, but on the defensive end of the floor, they can struggle at times. They rely so heavily on Alford, and then they run into issues. And so that's the one thing with this Bruins team. We're going to find out a lot about them coming up. This is the team that you have to be watching, especially uh, just starts with over the next two weeks. They don't play a lot of basketball over the next two weeks, which is good for them. They have their Pac-12 bye. This week they're at USC. That comes on Thursday night, and the way the Trojans are playing, that would be a really good win. Then, just eight days from that point, they're at Arizona, and then at Arizona State. It's a very tough stretch for the Bruins, and I'm very intrigued to see what they can do. This is a team that I think is going to be right on the bubble on Selection Sunday with other teams. The Pac-12 is deep, so they benefit off of that. I think it's going to take a Pac-12 tournament run of some sort. 
from the Bruins. They've got to get more play out of their post players. Alford's a fantastic all-around asset. He has to do more. Let's follow that up with the most perplexing team in the country, in my mind. It's the Butler Bulldogs. Roosevelt Jones and Kevin Dunham going into the season, he would have said, this is one of the best duos in the country, and they still are an outstanding duo. But what has gone wrong for the Bulldogs? Their RPI is now 65. They're 14-7. and seven. Their strength is schedule 90. Their opponent's strength is schedule 48. If you look at their resume, this is a team that got very good non-conference wins and went 11-1 and one in non-conference play, but has been weak in a tough Big East. They are 3-6 and six in conference play. We're about to find out a lot about Butler. They need to salvage their opportunities coming up. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, they are home to Georgetown. It's a must-win game for the Butler Bulldogs, and it's important. I'm going to get to the Big East in a second. Important for the Big East Conference to have these Butler Bulldogs bounce back because it's a team that, well, going into the season, you had as an NCAA tournament squad. After they host Georgetown tomorrow, and once again, what I call a must-win game, very important for both those teams who are on the bubble, they go to St. John's. That's a game they got to take. Then they're at Seton Hall next week in a crucial one at the Prudential Center. They then host Xavier Creighton. So you look at the next five, Georgetown, St. John's, Seton Hall, home to Xavier, home to Creighton. This is their opportunity to now respond. The Butler Bulldogs need it badly. I still see this team as a tournament team and still see – the Big East as a five to six bid league, but uh, there's no question they need the Butler Bulldogs and the Butler Bulldogs need to bounce back because I still believe they can make some noise, but their defense has to improve. Andrew Shrabans is, is good down low, but they're not getting enough production in the paint. What people forget is the departure of Cameron Woods, a really good big man for them last year and now uh, no longer with them as Butler is eh, having some tough times. Finally, you're so used to seeing the Gonzaga Bulldogs. You're really used to seeing uh, that team be able to dominate out west the WCC. Well, this year it's not Gonzaga. The team to watch is the St. Mary's Gales. They've been playing at a very high level, winners of 11 of 12, and at this point now, 18 and 2. 18 and 2. Their only loss is coming at the hands of Cal and Pepperdine. Their wins? Stanford, UC Irvine, BYU, and Gonzaga. Well, this is a team that's gotten hot, and you give them credit for where they are in their league. They're right at the top with the way they're playing. They beat Gonzaga on January 21st, 70-67 in what was a wild game. St. Mary's, they are for real. I really like what they're doing on the WCC. They are at BYU this week and then at San Diego Another big game of influence, obviously, February 20th at Gonzaga. But for the Bulldogs, there's no doubt that this is a team in Gonzaga that has had several issues at home. They just have not been the same. I mean, they are 17-5, and five, but when you're in the conference that they're in, if losses begin to rack up, well, uh, that's where you see that the, the WCC, St. Mary's, has been able to salvage its opportunities. Gonzaga not exactly having the best of seasons. Mark Few, a great coach out there, but it's St. Mary's who leads the pack in that conference. And with that, I welcome in our guest tonight, great friend of the show, Zach Braziller from the New York Post is with me. And Zach, I just talked about three teams, and if you want to pick one out that intrigues you in a certain way, we start with UCLA, then Butler, and then I just talked about St. Mary's. I think that one of the biggest and most underwhelming teams is Butler. 
because a lot of people saw this team as, as one that could really do some magical things this season in the Big East, but they have really experienced the grind of this conference at three and six. Yeah, I mean, I I think there are some people after the nine conference who actually thought they could take out Villanova, and that obviously hasn't happened. Um, they just they just haven't played well. They they haven't played, especially defensively. They haven't played well. Um, you know, their their three wins are, are over St. John's and the Paul in the conference. I mean, they're they got work to do. I know Lenardi uh, in his uh, brack. Uh, weekly bracketology today has them out, which I think is the right call at this point. Um, they just they've they, you know they've been an enigma since the uh, conference season starts, and it's just a reminder that as important as non-conference is, it's still the conference that really really decides things. You know, the non-conference early on, you know, you you can't really uh, you can't really say. Um, with certainty what a team is until they really get in their league and they start playing good teams on a nightly basis. And, you know, right now it's Butler's got a lot of work to do here. Zach Braziller is our guest from the New York Post. And, Zach, you look around the leagues in the country, and my argument is the Big 12 is the best league. Joe Lenardi has the Pac-12 with eight teams in the NCAA tournament, according to his projection. The Pac-12 is the deepest league in the country, if you ask me. So highly competitive and no given nights in this conference. What makes it so deep? Uh, it's just you just have a lot of good teams. Uh, you know what I think helps uh, to make a conference deep? When there aren't any really good teams. You know, so everyone kind of can beat up on each other. Um, they're really, you know, Arizona isn't what, it's been the last few years. Cal, ton of hype, but they 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 can't win away from uh, Berkeley. Um, Oregon looks like it might be a class that league, but Oregon's still not a, a great team. They're no. a good team. You know, I think that a part of when you talk about conferences that are so deep, the reason they're so deep is because you know um, there isn't that elite team that's gonna that's gonna sweep people. So everyone's splitting matchups and and everyone's getting decent wins. Um, and I think that has to do it. You know, I think the Pac-12 is very deep. I think they're going to have a lot of teams, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they don't have a single team reach the second weekend of, of the NCAA tournament. I, I, there isn't that one team in that league that really, really impresses me. I don't think Cal, to be honest, is deserving of, of a bid. Um, they have to me. They have to do a little, they have to do a lot more um, to prove that they've been really bad of late. I believe they've lost five or six. And they've been really bad on the road. I mean, they just can't win away from home. Um, and we saw that yes again yesterday. Um, you know, but I, I think it's a good league. But I, I, to me, I'm with you. I think the Big 12 is definitely the best league in the country because you know the Big 12 has depth, but the Big 12 also has very, very good teams at the top. The top of the Big 12 to me is much, much better than the top of the Pac-12. Yeah, and the question then becomes: Is it better than the top of the ACC? And Lenardi has nine teams in. I don't see nine teams going to the NCAA tournament from the ACC. I just don't. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, it's that's the thing. You know, everyone loves bracketology. I, I admit, I, I click on all of them, but you know, there is still a there's a month left really before the conference tournaments even begin, and I think we'll we'll see more. I think there'll be more weeding out of the contenders and the pretenders. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're you're going to see more of that. Um, over the next 
few weeks. There's some teams right now that maybe you think are in that in a in a few weeks probably won't even be on the bubble. Um, you know, so we'll see. I I agree with you. I think I think nine from that league is, is a little high. Um, I also think eight from the Pac-12 is a little high. You know, but we'll we'll see. You know, that's the beauty of it. You still have another month of of conference action before even the conference tournaments, where we really are gonna find out who's who's deserving of playing on the big stage in March and who really is it. Zach Braziller is our guest from the New York Post. Zach, I was one to say Chris Dunn is the best player in the country, but in the conference that he's doing it in and the performances that he has had, those Heisman-like performances just on the basketball floor, Mr. Heald has been absolutely sensational. I mean, Buddy Heald has had great performance after great performance against outstanding team after outstanding team. That doesn't take away anything from Chris Dunn. But where he's done it, too, on the road in tough atmospheres, this kid has a relentless jump shot. What do you think it is that makes him so good? And would you agree with me that he's the National Player of the Year right now? Yeah, I don't I don't think it's close, to be honest. Um, he, he plays for the number one team in the country. Providence is having <laughs> a good year, but not not like Oklahoma. And you also have to look at it, too. You know, Dunn's got Bentil to go with to play with me. Yeah, I'm sure Dunn makes Bentil better. There's no question with but Dunn's got a, you know, he's got another guy right there. I mean, it, 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 Buddy is clearly the number one number one player in Oklahoma. You know, they have some mm-hmm. nice um, complimentary pieces when you look at Isaiah Cousins and you Jordan Woodward and you know Spangler. Brian Spangler. But they yeah. really don't have a. There really isn't a secondary star there. They're, they're more like, you know, they're more like you know complimentary players where Dunn has that secondary scar. Star Bento, who will sometimes take away, take the attention away, and, and you know he'll shoot fifty percent from three. His numbers are so far up this year for the rest of his career. He's doing it on the road. He's doing it in the best conference in the country. To me, it's it's not even close. You know, to me, he has to fall off the. He he really needs a significant decline in production for him not to win win the Player of the Year. I I, I to me, it's it's, it's a race. That's it's not a race. You know, Dunn is number two, but it, to me it's a distant number two. When you factor in the fact, you know, Field is plays the best conference in the country, his numbers are outstanding, his team is number one team in the country, um, and he doesn't really have that co-star to to kind of take away some of that attention. He's got a nice team around him, but does not have second guy who's going to get you 20 a night like, like Providence does. We turn to the Big East, and Zach Braziller, our guest from the New York Post, covers the New York area. Let's look around that area. And, look, St. John's, obviously, this is a rebuilding year. There's no doubt about that. Chris Mullen in year one, though, has some recruits in over the weekend. Zach, what can you tell us about Chris Mullen year one? It, It seems like he definitely is in the right direction on that pathway. Yeah, I mean, I you know, Anyone who really knew the ins and outs of this program could see that last year, this year, was going to be a bad year. The the previous staff just did not recruit enough the last two years. Um, this staff had to basically compile a completely new roster in a matter of months. That's just impossible to ask. Then you factor in that Marcus Levet Jr. was a partial qualifier and can't play. He would have been their best player. And then the other very good freshman, Ian Kulisiva, uh has been out for about the last maybe three weeks to a month mm-hmm. with a broken hand. Um, you know, 
to me, the, the, the good thing, the, the two things I really like from the St. John's fan is, number one, the team is playing hard. They're clearly not good enough. But that That's going to change. They're getting players in. They are playing hard, which is when you lose a lot, sometimes it doesn't happen. Number two to me is, is Mullen has never used one excuse about it. He's said this is what it is. This is part of the process. He's never he's never made an excuse. He's never said, well, we came in and there was nothing left. Most coaches, like the one who, you know, the preceding one, who like to make excuses for everything, most coaches do not, you know, would eventually kind of crack and, and throw something out there. Mullen hasn't done that, which to me is says a lot about who he is as a person because it's, look, you can tell, you can see it on his face during these games. It's, it's wearing on him. You know, you're losing every night. You're getting waxed by 20, 25. And, you know, it's, and this is really not, it's not his doing. It's not, you know, he, he, he inherited an impossible situation for this year. Everyone knew it. Um, but they're doing, they're going to be better next year. They're bringing in a, a top 40 player from Brooklyn, Shamori Pons. They're bringing in one of the best junior college players in the country and Bashir Ahmed. Um, uh, love that will be eligible. Um, they have a sit out transfer, um, in Tariq Owens, who's going to be there. They're going to bring in a few other guys. They're going to be much, much improved next year. Um, I think they're probably a NIT caliber team next year. Uh, maybe sneak into the maybe around sixth or seventh best team in the conference. You know, it, it's I, my my feeling is year three is when they really become legitimately good. Um, you know, but I, to me, if I'm a St. John's fan, I'm very happy with just how hard the team is playing despite not having the tools, but also about Mullen, who's really handled this, this season as well as you can possibly handle it from, you know, a PR perspective and just from a first-year coach who's obviously taken his lumps. Zach Braziller is our guest. Seton Hall came up big at Creighton on Saturday night in a pivotal game in their season. They avoid the season sweep. To the Blue Jays, Isaiah Whitehead, 22.6 assists and a 75 to 65 victory over the Blue Jays. And the Pirates are 15 and six. They are five and four in Big East play through the toughest part of their conference schedule. Look, this league's not easy, but still, three straight home games to come. Still another game with St. John's, one with DePaul to come. Things are looking up for the Pirates. What has changed for Whitehead, Zach? That is getting him to really. A great point where he's now at at the point guard position. Is it just time? Yeah, I mean, I think he's you know he's learning. This is a new position. You know, he you saw him take a little step back at the end of the Villanova game, and I and I think he I didn't think he played well against Xavier, but these last few games have been really impressive. You know, he, he started out a little shaky against St. John's, but then he played a great game, and then obviously was terrific against Creighton. My opinion, the best game he's played in his college career. Um, it's not about talent with him. He's he, he he can shoot it. He can get into the lane. He's a big guard. He's a he's a big time talent. There's no question about it. It's more about upstairs. It's more about him learning how to play the point guard position, and he's getting it. You know, it's look. There's still going to be times where you say what you know, question the shot selection, question decision making. He's never really been a full time point guard, so this is all. This is all new to him, but you're, you're definitely seeing signs of of his maturity. Um, has he turned the corner? We'll see. Uh, he's been very good in, the, in, in Big East play, and I was looking at the numbers. He's while his shooting percentage isn't great, he is on the year. I think he's at 35. percent He is shooting 40 percent in the Big East, which is an improvement. Um, 
He's averaging, I think, around six assists per game in the Big East. He's scoring the ball well. Um, he still sometimes at the end of the game settles for a hero ball. Sometimes he takes his jump shots. I'd still like to see him penetrate more, especially in, in big moments. I think he relies a little too much on the jump shot, but he's playing really well. And, you know, it's, it's, it's got a good team. You know, they got depth. Zach, are you buying in? Are you buying into the players? I, I, I got to see. Let's see what – to me, this is a big week. You got two home games. To me, they're both winnable. They're not easy, but they're both winnable. Now, they go two and zero this week. I would buy it. I'm I'm still not sold because of whatever this team you think is really turned a corner. And it's, you say, all right, this is a tournament team. They they go and they lose a game they shouldn't lose. Um, and let's see let's see what happens this week. You know, Wednesday against Marquette is not an easy game. Although I think Seton Hall's a better team. Saturday against Georgetown, same thing, although I think Seton, I think Seton Hall on paper is the fourth best team in this league. I really think after Providence, Villanova, and Xavier, they're the fourth best team. And you know what? They have the schedule remaining to get there. You know, they, um, like you said, they, they, two, you know, I think they have, I believe it is five road games left, and two of those road games are St. John's and Paul. Just, just four road games, five of them at home. And you know, yeah. so, so five. So they had five and, road games to start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so half of those and half of those are against the two worst teams in the league. Um, right. We'll, Home games yeah. to Providence and Xavier. They've beaten Providence once. So it, it's all there for them. I, I just I I want to see how this team handles prosperity. I want you know I I want to see how this team handles business this week. This team they go two and zero this week would be a would be a major step just in their maturity and their progression, their development. I think there's no, I think when you watch them play, there's no question they are an NCAA tournament team. They cast the eye test. Um, but we'll, we'll see this week. They go 2-0 this week. They're not even going to be on the bubble. They they have a chance to really play themselves off of the bubble in the next, you know, in the, in the, in, in the next few weeks. You know, they have these three home games and they have a week off, go to Georgetown, then um, play St. John's at the Garden. Um, by the end of that, this, these next five games, they they could easily be sitting pretty. Zach, for me, it's West Virginia. I love their makeup. If there's a team outside the top ten that you like that could make a deep run in the NCAA tournament, who who is it? I love Dave. I, I really do. I, they have a they have a tremendous point guard in Scoochie Smith. Obviously, Archie Miller is oh, a great coach. Great name. Um, they are. I think they're underranked. I think they should be rated higher. Obviously, the Atlantic 10, you know, is a, I guess you could say is a bit down. They're probably only going to get three NCAA tournament teams, which which definitely does hurt Dayton. I I love Dayton. Every they're so well coached. They're so tough. They're not quite as thin up front as they've been in past years. They have more depth. I I watch out. I mean, obviously, you know, in March, it all it all comes down to matchups and getting a good draw. But I, I really, really like that team. You know, they've they've got it working. I mean them and VCU atop that league. It's gonna be fun that's gonna be fun to see who, who wins that league. I mm-hmm. I know is playing as well as anyone, but Dayton is very, very good. Life without Shaka is okay for now. Speaking of Shaka, he and Texas just get a big win over Baylor. All of a sudden Texas looks like a very solid NCAA tournament team after just looking like an NIT team just weeks ago after a loss to TCU. But, Zach, that does it. Uh, We'll talk to you Wednesday at the Prudential Center. Thanks so much. All right, John. Talk to you later.
All right, that is Zach Braziller. You can call us at 718-664-9391. That's 718-664-9391. And with that, we go to a caller. This is Mark. Mark, how are you? Hey, John. Uh, my head is uh, swirling over here. You're talking about UCLA, point guard play, Seton Hall representing New Jersey on the bubble, bringing back uh, Scoochie Smith and Dayton. It's just all swirling around Monmouth for me. But this show, I like to go all across the country, and uh, that's what we love to do here. I don't just like to focus on the Northeast. I like to go all across the country. Let's talk about your Monmouth talk and uh, Mr. Justin Robinson, Mark. Uh, probably the, uh, I was hoping Zach was going to stay on. Probably Zach has said that he thinks he may be the Haggerty Ward a winner. Um, he may be Mac player of the year. Uh, I was surprised he was left off of the Bob Cousy finalist for the top 10 point guards. Uh, the kid's just been amazing. My question to you, John is where does Monmouth have to go and lose in the Mac title game to where they're going to make it on the bubble? Is it 26 and eight? Is it 27-7? and seven? Can they not Ooh. lose again until there? What is it? I actually I mean, think that they can lose. Right the I believe right they can now. lose. Yeah, I think they can lose another game in the MAC. I do. I do believe that they can lose another game in the MAC. Uh, but if they make it to the MAC final, I'm looking at their schedule now. This is a team that belongs in the NCAA tournament as an at-large. If they were to lose in the MAC final, uh, I think that they could actually lose two more games. And be twenty-seven and seven. Okay, if that sounds right, and I think that they still could yeah. be in. You get to eight losses, and that's where I don't think that that works. I, I, I would be a very, I'd be surprised. But, uh, but you know what? I think you could reach the MAC final. You could have seven. You, you know what? If you lose the MAC final, and that's your eighth. For me, Mark, they've done enough. It depends on who you, you lose to. I, I think but the NCAA I, I think would, uh, if they lose eight, would be, I think the only way they're getting in is getting sent to Dayton and winning their way in. And that's exactly it, but I would still send them there. If they have eight, I would still send them there. The committee should send them there. Get to nine, no way. But I'll tell you what, if they get to eight, I actually think they are still okay, if you ask me. Now, I think they only end up with seven um, at most. This is a fantastic team. This would be a shame for this team to not get in. They have tremendous talent. You just said it with Robinson. Tonight they win 93-87. to They're winning on the road. And you know what? For those people that look at their schedule and think, okay, mid-major team, you can't fault them for who they're playing. They're going to the hey, they played, their conference. They played everyone game. they could play in the beginning, John. Absolutely. And they were all over and the And they took care of business. Them. Right. And right. let me tell you as well. It doesn't matter which league you're from. When you have to go on the road against teams and coaches you know, it is never going to be an easy night. We just talked about St. John's. They stink, yet they were up on Villanova for a fair portion of that game yesterday, Isn't and they're still without their starting basketball? center. Oh, anybody it's the beauty can stop of it. anybody on any night, and especially it's this year more than others. I mean, having that number one next to your name is it's just a curse right now. It absolutely is. So I, I agree with you on all fronts, and I think that this uh, Monmouth team belongs in, and I am pulling for them. I, I am. I, I, I love I this one. team, love the makeup. Of it. i got to get out to West Long Branch to see them play a couple times here before the end of the year, thinking about going out Friday to see them play Fairfield and cover that game. Oh, that would be great. i got one more for you. With the Go number ahead. one being taken down so much, is this the year that a 16 finally breaks through? 
<laughs> wow. You know, I got a challenging get up question guys, for me. Hang up. Thanks, John. Mark, thanks a lot. Um, no, I don't see it. But I did tweet a couple weeks ago, folks. It's so hard for me to say that right now. I did tweet. I tweeted a couple weeks ago. If there's a year for it to happen, it's this one. But am I going to go ahead and say right now, I'd lose all credibility if I said a 16 is beating a one. <laughs> I, just, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Um, final thing of the night, let's look at a couple of different games on the docket on Tuesday. Three games I am looking out for. Well, I, I said it at the top of the show. I, I really believe, folks, that uh, Georgetown and Butler is a very important game. It's a very important game. Uh, for both teams, they're both hanging around the bubble conversation. Georgetown with Devonte Smith Rivera and Bradley Hayes, Jesse Govan, two very good players in the front court. Georgetown has to use them well. I will take on track. Remember them, okay? Remember them. Indiana travels to Michigan to the Chrysler Center. Michigan's a tough out at home. I will take the Wolverines, and I'll tell you what: Duncan Robinson, the guard. 13 points per game, three rebounds per game. Michigan's a sweet 16 team. They have that feel to me this year. If they get the right draw, John Beeline is an outstanding coach. And then also tomorrow at 9, Hilton Coliseum, the third game on my mind, West Virginia visiting Iowa State. Run, 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 gun, gun, gun. It's going to be a great pace. It should be an excellent game. What does West Virginia do to contain George's Niang, the lengthy Niang? And then Jay Sean Page, one of my favorite players to watch, 14 points, four rebounds per game. I can't go against the Cyclones, though, inside Hilton Coliseum. They'll find enough Hilton magic to get it done. But West Virginia is my team. They are my team just outside the top ten that can really get to the Elite Eight. Who's the best team in the country that not enough people – uh, still, a, a team that I think can win the Big East tournament and I still think is better than Villanova, it is Xavier. The Xavier Musketeers are fantastic. I leave you on that note. I really think Chris Mack is the national coach of the year. Xavier can be a Final Four team. I am going to be heavily tempted to put them in my Final Four, maybe even my national title game. It does it for me. For CollegeHoopsDigest.com, I'm John Fanta. Good night, everybody. Late Night Hoops.